many, many, many men. So today we're going to talk about recognizing spiritual timing. How to recognize spiritual timing and uh, understand that there is a clock ticking. There is a clock on earth that's ticking. And in the spirit realm, there is no clock. So uh, we're going to start out talking about what the realm of the spirit consists of. Where we have time in the natural, what is there comparable to that in the spirit? So in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I was looking for that in God awful something else. It's all good. <laughs> Praise God. Ecclesiastes 3 1, it says, To everything there is a season. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything, everything in your life, you're under heaven, right? And above hell, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let me get me some water. Pray the Lord and baptize my soul. Pray the Lord. But, um, so to every purpose under heaven. So time and seasons are given to every purpose under heaven. Now, the spiritual realm consists of seasons. So when God is dealing with us, he's not dealing with us in minutes and hours and chronological time. But he has our life divided up into seasons. And Ecclesiastes gives us a, 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 a glimpse of what those seasons consist of. I know people talk about the youthful season, the this season, and then there's the autumn of your dog. Give me a break. You know what I'm talking about. Carnality. The Bible says there is a time to be born. And at the end of that, a time to die. So there's the lifespan. It's the season of life. Your season of life on the earth begins when you're born, ends when you die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. That's very important for us. There's a seed sowing season and then there's a harvesting season for everything. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. So you get a picture of <clears throat> life and death being a continual thing, sowing and reaping being a continual thing, building and planting and tearing down and reconstructing, all of that being a continual thing. Look at all the different, uh, look at the times that you've moved in your life. There, when you're moving, there's a time to tear down, and then when you get into your new place, there's a time to build up again. So there's, and, and you know when it's time to move. 
I know I always have because in the the last years God moved me. But when the first when we uh, when I was first married, our first apartment was was my husband's bachelor pad, and I hated it. And I, I was anxious for us to get our place and not move into where he used to be. See, and so it was important for me to feel like I was getting a fresh start and a clean start that we had our place so when we found our place that was very important and I knew when it was time to to just move on because it was and so it was a time to break down a time to build up there's a time to weep and a time to laugh don't tell anybody not to cry unless it's that Jezebel thing that everybody hates you know what I'm talking about female witchy poo trick you know don't go there I don't endorse that at all a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together now they're talking about landmarks casting away stone or casting down stone is tearing down old landmarks things that that were not beneficial in your life for instance when you get born again stones you want to tear down you want to get rid of a little black book listen the men holding their breath like they don't know what y'all know what I'm talking about <laughs> you know what I'm saying and uh, you know that kind of thing is just the things that you used to build a monument to in your life that were important to you uh, things that you used to spend your money on you know, I can remember I didn't I I used to have my clothes made, always had designer clothes, you know, when my old life. But when I got saved it didn't matter to me who who and sometime I'll hear people and the tone in their voice when they talk about designers and I say, Hmm, that sounds real familiar from old times, you know, like that's you know, a big deal and I kinda laugh laugh inside. It used to be me. Huh? None of them saved, you know what I'm saying. And uh, but but anyway, you know that that those things that used to be so important to you that you invested a lot of time, energy, and money in are not important anymore. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Well, just is <clears throat> a time to get and a time to lose. Time to keep and a time to cast away. So you're going to have all these things happen in your life. And there's a God-ordained season for all these things to take place. And whether we like them or not, some of these seasons are hard seasons, folks. Time for these things that you don't want to make time for, but they happen to all of us. It says a time to rend or tear and a time to sow. A time of war and a time of peace. So all of these things that happen under the sun, there is a time for them. And so God has ordained that <clears throat> there be in every life a season and a time set aside for all of these events that happen so frequently and, and you know, kind of commonly under heaven. All seasons have a purpose. You have to understand that. That you may not think it's so important for certain things, but God has purposed 
certain things to occur in our lives. And all seasons have a purpose. Even when you notice there, there's nothing in here about a time to be sick, a time to. Yeah, you got me. The the hardships that that because a lot of things we can be spared from because of our covenant with God. See, you got me. Um, but we're all going to be touched with loss in some way. We're all going to be touched with loss in some way. Um, if it's a friend that you mourn with your friend, if it's a, a relative you mourn with your relative, if you lose an uncle or an aunt, sometimes you're going to lose uh, a child or you might lose a parent or something like that. Those things that we know that there's a time for mourning the loss of those things. But God does not schedule calamity, misfortune, and all. It's a time to express your reaction to these things. But God has not said that there is a time for you to suffer certain things to happen to you and all. This is not like a fortune telling thing because we have a covenant with God that can take care of all those things. So we, we have to rely on the fact that like if, if say for instance if God said there's a time to be sick that would negate his covenant of divine health for us. You got me? So you're never going to find that that God has ordained for you to but sickness happens to people you know from time to time. And so but we have a covenant of health that will pull us out of sickness because we're redeemed for those from those things. But there's always difficulty going on in the earth. If they don't happen to you, they happen to others. Those others that are close to you, you'll share in the reaction of it. You're going to have times when you'll you'll have to, to move or you'll have to build or to plant and all that kind of thing. These are normal occurrences under heaven. And there is a purpose to these things. So God does not put anybody here without a purpose and without a plan for that life. You have to understand that. The seasons, therefore, are divided into time. So if you have a, say if you're in a season of mourning in your life, then there's a certain amount of time that that's going to take. You know, it's going to, it's going to be a certain length of time in your life. And most people who have had anything you know a loss like that happened to them they know that there are relief places of relief from that feeling and then the the times of mourning kind of get shorter and shorter and shorter and so eventually you get right back to your normal so then you know when that season is over you see and so it comes of these things will come upon us they'll run their course and then they're over where we can get concerned is where the, the time or the season tends to be too short or too long, according to what we observe. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll see people uh, that cry very little and the loss is very great. Well, you don't know what is happening on the inside of them, but sometimes you watch to see everybody's curious. How are they handling it? Why? Because we all uh, know that from what we experience, Certain things are what we call normal. Sometimes things are not normal. And so your response is not to tell somebody to buck up and suck it up, but you pray for them 
you know, if you feel that that it's extended or it's causing them un, undue grief, you know, you can pray for them. I remember Brother Hagen. Uh, I think it was the time his mother passed away, and she was had been, you know, her health had been declining, and of course they had called all the family family members over there and so her room was kind of filled with the children the grandchildren everybody wanting to say their goodbyes and so forth and brother Hagen said that <clears throat> when she did pass away he said he felt a spirit of grief come into the room and he began to speak to it begin this oh grave where is thy oh you know death where is thy grave where is thy sting and he said that thing began to move away from the situation and move out of the situation uh, because there is triumph over death in Christ and you know you got me so you can you can fight against uh, excessiveness of these some of these things and, and that kind of thing and and in certain situations God can give you victory as far as time is concerned and duration of some things happening in certain seasons I can remember when when my husband passed away I would tell the Lord I said well Lord I can't cry during this time and that time because I got to do this I got to do that and I got to do this that and yeah you know we just worked it out you got me and so I wasn't overcome with grief I could function and I found that when I got to where I was supposed to be God met me there and he helped me with that and you know I found my breakdowns when I was alone were fewer and fewer because God began to help me in those things so he's always there to help us and he understands that we need to carry on with life and he wants us to have joy and happiness and enjoyment in life so he helps with those things it's I think it's it's not good for a person to try and suppress certain feelings when they're they're there because you'll you you can't hold on to these things see they have to be released and they have to be released before God and it, have it done appropriately so that uh, you don't feel like you're on the verge of exploding and, and you know that kind of thing that's just not what God plans for us so God will help us to be able to carry uh, these things in a normal human way let him work through uh, that and help us put ourselves our souls back together again uh, so we respond appropriately to things you know we don't linger in our memory and you know sometimes we hold on to things and uh, don't want to let go of them and so he helps us to let go in a very appropriate way so all of those things but he knows that there are going to be times and seasons for difficult things in everybody's life and he's given it a certain amount of time he's given it a certain amount of time in our lives so our seasons are divided into time and each season has a certain amount of time assigned to it for that purpose to be accomplished recognition of timing and seasons is peculiar to the prophets anointing why because the the prophet's gift is really a revelation gift it's to unveil hidden things and share them with the world and first chronicles 12 
you'll see there was a specific tribe of prophetic people. Now prophets could come up from any tribe. And they can really come up out of anywhere. God specifically had them train. Uh, they came through the nation of Israel because God had set aside those people as his covenant people so he could train them in his ways. But they also had people were converts too. You know, they could people could be converted anytime, follow God. It's never been closed just to a certain group of people. So in first Chronicles twelve thirty eight thirty two. Oh, like I said. Thirty two. Thirty two. Thirty two. Thirty two. It says, uh, in the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. So they would be your your true, and the the uh, fortune teller would be the counterfeit, right? Since so they had understanding of time, so that is a legitimate God-given gift to understand times and to know what Israel ought to do. So these are people who have judgment as far as timing on the inside of them. So that gifting, which which rests really, that's part of the prophet's equipment. That gifting rests in the office of the prophet. And it can be picked up by people who are under that influence. And these things are, are transferable. And it's good to have. Because you won't be all doing work A when work B is in force. You got me? So it's good to be able to keep step with everybody. Don't be a rookie all your life. <laughs> and intercessors must have access to this. If you don't know timing as an intercessor, you can be really lost. And it's just good to stay in the flow of the Spirit of God to know what needs to be done at certain times. Because many times what we're doing is, is preparatory to head off the attacks of the enemy if we'll do things by faith. Now, a lot of intercession must be done in response to what's going on simply because your natural man has a certain amount of information and that needs to be addressed and responded to. But many prayers that we pray are, are, are designed to head off certain danger that's future. So, and we need this gift in the body of Christ. We need it more and more. We need it in a legitimate fashion. Not just everybody wanted to tell somebody something. Without this, we wouldn't be able to accomplish much from God. If you didn't know times and what we ought to be doing, at certain times, this is not time for this, this is time for that kind of thing. And be able to judge and discriminate and know when we're, we're flowing correctly in God's purpose and when we're not. It's always a good time to win souls. I can tell you right now. It's always the time to share Christ with people. Because that's the last instruction Jesus gave us. And it hasn't changed. So we're in that time now. 
where we're going forth in the, into all the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we were given the gift of life from God, it came with purpose. So while we're living, we have purpose. Every living creature has a purpose. If you'll notice in Genesis chapter 2, the first thing God gave Adam was work. He gave him work. He looked at the garden that he had created and said, there is not a man to till the garden. So he created him after the garden was established. So really, if you think about it, there's always work to do. I mean, I think it's true. You know, if you get up and get about it, there's always work to do. And so what he had Adam do was set his hand to what was needed. So then we can say work is a necessity as well. John 5.17 says, The Father works, and hitherto I work. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus came here to work. So when we work, we are imitating the Father. The Bible says that he worked six days and rested on the seventh. It was not the reverse. Huh? <laughs> now God works with his mind and his words. And he created Adam in his image. And Adam also worked with his mind and his words. And as a, as a way of further expressing his ability, God worked with his hands. You got me? So <clears throat> it's this way. The mind conceives, the mouth speaks, and the hands carry it out. That's the way we're supposed to work. Not me. What has happened in life is that people get involved in what I call mindless hand stuff. You know, where, say, for instance, if you work an assembly line, that's kind of mindless in a way. All you have to do is not cut any fingers off. But there's no creative element there so you'll find many times people who have to discipline themselves and work a job that doesn't get the total expression of themselves will find a hobby outside of that job where they can have a more intellectual outlet if they're smart now if they're not smart they just crab about the job and try to find somebody punch in for them they can go hide somewhere out in the parking lot until it's time to kick off you know what I'm saying we got all kind of creative people out there doing all kinds of things but really it's kind of a status symbol among people period to to get paid for doing very little effort except sitting down and thinking I mean this is what human beings seek they look for a promotion why because they think the guy up there does nothing but sit behind a desk huh absolutely and, and you know what I'm saying I mean there's that deception there but we're all after it aren't we we think all Donald Trump does is wear a suit and have that funny little comb over and that little pout in his mouth. You know, I've got that little pout all the time. It's funny, all his kids look just like him. The little girls got their little 
all, all the boys got it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's thought that that's all. And and it's funny to me that when people who work in that fashion, you know, creative and they 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 can delegate and. They have authority and power and that kind of stuff and pretty much work with their minds and their mouths. They sit a lot. They can't wait to get out on a golf course so they can work and hit a ball and get some exercise. You see what I'm saying? So there must be the expression of the whole man in work. That's all I'm saying. There's got to be the expression of the whole man in work. So God worked with his hands as well because the Bible says he fashioned Adam, he formed him from the dust of the ground. And we know God has hands. The Bible refers to them very often. So, so it, there is the full expression of the human being in this way. Work, different types of work have no status in God's eyes. He doesn't value you more or less because of the type of work you do. He just wants you to work. That's your purpose for being here. People who who don't flow in the purpose of God tend not to either be content, happy, or they don't live long. Now, I'll tell you there are some illnesses that are tied to certain types, personality types, that that will shorten life because there's no employment to work. Hmm? The Bible says that the woman is saved in childbearing. That means that that she there is a certain purpose that comes forth in a woman's life through motherhood. Now we all know that. But there are some illnesses that medical science has proven they reverse after women start to have children. Even with those illnesses, they'll back up off of them. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, MS is one of them. And that's a wasting disease. So it's your purpose has not been realized and you waste away. AIDS is another one. Where if you, if you do not contribute to the law of life, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, your life is shortened. You got me? Because you, what's your purpose for being here? You got me? You can't fight God. You can't fight his word. Lupus is another disease that, that almost exclusively attacks women. And it's, it's found very common in women who do not bear children. And so these are things that are real, they're true, and they are wasting diseases because your purpose that God created you for is not being realized. And so many times the doctor will encourage, are you planning to have kids? Well, why don't you have them now? And because we found that this disease will stop in women once they start. Now, it doesn't in some. You got me? Some people are just going to have that anyway but there's a connection there between purpose the word of God the expressed word of God and what people see actually happen in their life curse of early death follows in 
uh, in situations where the child's purpose to bring joy to the parents and vice versa is not realized. When that is broken, very often those children will take up a course in life that causes them to lose their life early. By honor thy father and mother that it will go well with you and you will live long on the earth. So you'll see it start not going well with them. Can't finish school. Drop out. Start taking drugs. Get with the wrong crowd. Boom. So it's very important that you understand every life has a purpose. Don't ever discount people as, you know, well, not, they're not important. They don't, you know, every life's important. Everyone. <clears throat> Oftentimes, because of ignorance and or because of, of uh, the devil's plan to thwart this. I mean, the devil gets in there and starts telling people they can't do certain things. Or they'll never amount to certain things. Or... Uh, I don't know why you decided to do this because you, you'll never finish it or you'll never accomplish it. It does that to people. And you'll find oftentimes people will begin things, they'll characteristically begin things and never finish them. Because something happens in there and it's never the thing on the outside. It's always something inside of them that has been planted there by the enemy to tell them they have no purpose or that purpose won't be realized, or that purpose is too grand for you, who do you think you are? Sometimes when people hesitate in accomplishing things, it's because they're fighting against that thought. You know, It's kind of a halting there. You know, I shouldn't do this because it's not going to work anyway. Now, <clears throat> sometimes God is telling you not to do it because it's not for you. You know, I'm talking about somebody who understands God's purpose and plan for their lives and is cooperating with that. So it's very important that you cooperate with God's plan and purpose for your life. So, um, so we say that we're we're here to work to imitate the Father because He works. The Bible starts out with him working. The physical man, we said, derives a sense of well-being by working with his hands. So there, <clears throat> there is a challenge to your soul for you to have mental capability... And then there's a challenge to your body for you to have physical. So, you know, it's good to have it all in one package. You know, we the stereotype is the the uh, you know the weightlifter walking on the beach and he's you know he's got the brains of an ice cube. You know, basically, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like. <laughs> and know how much weight he's lifting because he can't count that high, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> how much do you press? Oh, <laughs> what's press? Whatever. Forget I asked. Huh? <laughs> well, you know, you you want to. It's rare to find the whole pack. That's all I'm saying. You know, sound mind and a sound body. All that kind of stuff. and um, So we have to work on it. huh? Everybody's working on it. So 
But we all have a certain season and a lot of time in that season to work and accomplish certain purposes. So you may have more than one purpose. In fact, everybody does. I I was uh, fairly young when the women's movement started, contrary to popular opinion. <laughs> but I was able to see the effects of it, both good and bad, put it that way. Because I think very often women were trained in their minds to expect nothing except staying at home and caring for children. Well, when they got the washing machine, you didn't have to spend all day doing laundry. They got the the stove, you know, you had indoor plumbing and a refrigerator and a stove. You know, housework was drastically cut down. You know, you had natural gas to heat the house so you didn't have to, kids didn't have to go out and cut down a tree and chop wood and stuff. So let's face it, life did get easier. And the typical housewife then was somebody who, you know, got the work done in like one hour and sat and watched soap operas all day long. <laughs> An hour before the husband came home. <laughs> hour before the husband came home, they jumped up and started, you know, getting in the kitchen trying to cook something. Casserole. You could have baked enough bread to start a bakery in the time that brother's been gone, but you know, and that was typical. And and we all agree it was a waste of talent and ability. In many women, because if nothing else, if you can run a household, you got pretty good organization. I mean, a decent house, not a not a hoarder house, you know, or clean house candidate, but you know, a decent household. Because women tended to keep everything running on schedule in the household. The kids were up and dressed and cooked and had a decent breakfast. Went off to school. They were secure because they knew somebody was at home waiting for them when they came home. And the dad came home because he knew there was a hot meal waiting there. I mean, why not go home? And so <laughs> everything was right there, you know. Then, you know, women started to move out of the house and not in wisdom, I don't think. I think they just did it because they, they it was told them that they could. And so then the purpose begins to get lost. Your life purpose starts to get obscured if you can't really reflect and understand in God, what did you put me here for? Why am I here? Blah, this, blah, that. During the 60s, a lot of the women's ministries that, that do uh, tremendous good in bringing women into the fullness of the, the life of God came to the forefront. And you saw... Ordinary housewives, kids are grown now. I got free time. Go and worship God. He calls them into his service. And they get a second career in middle age. And many of them manage budgets that, that you know, rival the budgets of some of the biggest corporations. And they manage everything. No, Many of them high school education. Some of them, some college, but just basically they were housewives and felt the call of God to go and help other women to experience the things in God that they've experienced. So so it's a good thing to know that God has purpose upon purpose upon purpose upon purpose upon purpose in a life. 
you're not a flat one-dimensional person. There are many facets to your character, many, many aspects to your understanding. Because of the law of use, if you put to use one gift, God can endow you with others. He can bring the smallest, you know, say for instance, you can remember when you were a kid, you know, I used to like doing that and I put that away. And and then when you get older and you start working for God, he brings that up again and it begins to dominate your life. What happened to it? It was there all the time. You just now have found a purpose. So we can say when you find God, you find your purpose and you begin to flourish in it. And you begin to understand what is your purpose, what is your passion, what is your gift, what is your talent, what is your ability. And you begin to work in those things for God. You begin to work in them. When God puts you in your purpose, don't covet something else that someone else is doing. Just stay with that. Stay with that. Because there are many distractions to fulfilling in that season what needs to be done we're talking about working in seasons and the allotted time in those seasons now I can tell you things that God never sets aside time for for you there's never time for you for carnal pursuits there's no time for sin There's no time for backsliding. No shenanigans. (laughs) And no wasting of time. Because God has every season and the allotted time in it accounted for. He knows he allots enough for you to get it done. But not enough to waste. Why? Because he doesn't have to. Because he can encourage you to stay on time, but not waste time. Now, what do I mean when I say waste time? I mean to to sit back and reflect, and you know, I could have done this, I could have done that, and why didn't I do this, and how come nobody, you know, that kind of stuff. That's a waster of time to try and figure out why and, and lament and all this kind of stuff. You don't have time for that. Now, when I say wasting time lamenting, that's not the same thing as a time to mourn. He allows you time for that. But extending that time beyond what's allotted is you don't have time for that. You need to know that carnal activities rob you of time. Because not only is it the time that you waste in in doing those and pursuing those things, but also the time that you'll have to spend undoing what was done through carnal pursuits. Because they have to be fixed. Write that down if you don't believe it. It's got to be fixed. So you'll spend a lot of time in repairing that which you have to tear down, but not through God's plan. Righteousness tends to buy you time or extend time. So you want to stay in righteous pursuits 
because righteous pursuits extend time. I've heard older ministers say, uh, well, you know, if you stay hooked up to God, you'll live a long time because God never dies. And so it's a good thing to remember that. But, but it is that you're, you're investing in righteousness and that always brings a righteous reward. So that extends your life, extends your health, extend everything. So we do have a certain season allotted of time. And in that season, we have to work to accomplish a certain purpose in our lives. And when that season's up, it's up. And if you haven't accomplished that purpose in that season, you need to talk to God about it. And sometimes we don't even understand if the, when the season is up. So you need to get clarity from him and ask him. God, what happened to my plan to do so and so and such and such? Do I still pursue that? Do I still invest time in that? Do I still invest energy in that? Or is it the time past for that, for me to be accomplishing that? I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> I've seen people who, um, say like young, young people, you always tell them, stay in school. Get an education, you'll get a better job when you get out. They don't listen. And the minute they get out of high school, they, they go get a job, and they hate it. They get another one, they hate that, another one, they hate that. Then all of a sudden it dawns on them, I should go to college. Well, now you're married and you got four kids. So the season for you to fit that into your life has expired. The time for that season has expired. So many people in wisdom will say, well, I'll wait until I get the kids and then go back. So that season comes up again, but it will not, you understand that it won't do what it would have done for you had you done it. So really what you gain out of your harvest diminishes if that season has to be terminated and then restarted again. Now you'll get satisfaction. I probably, probably a lot of people enjoy it whenever they do it, but you can look back in wisdom and say, you know, if I'd done it when I first, when it was first offered to me, it would have benefited me more. I could have worked in this area all my life instead of suffering through a difficult job and putting things off. And so many times people live a life of, uh, you know, kind of like mistakes, correction, and then they learn instead of learning by faith. See, faith is the missing ingredient because if you by faith can take your parents' counsel and go ahead and obey that and you can see the fruit of it in your life and you can live out the fruit of that right decision, then your life will be better. But, you know, if you learn, you learn, but it's better to learn when you in the right season. So that's the importance of, of keeping a season and accomplishing what's to be accomplished during that season the first time you get that season open to you. You have to understand this, that there is, there are purposes in certain seasons where they have to be recognized and they have to be followed through on because sometimes they can't 
go around and come back again for you. you know. Diminished return if it's put off. It's always true. It's good to see when God tells you to sow seed for something. Get in the ground right away, at least part of it. God says, sow $100, well, I only have 10 Put that in the ground, okay? And, <clears throat> and the rest will come. So we have to understand that these seasons will not be around forever. So, I, um, for instance, I give this example from myself. Uh, one of the purposes that God put into my life was to teach the word. So if you know that God wants you to be a teacher, what's the first thing a teacher does? You've got to prepare yourself. You prepare yourself for your life's work. Now, it's amazing how many people you can run into and say, God's called me to the ministry, and they're doing nothing to. I say, well, what are you doing to prepare yourself? Oh, yeah, right. Come out of the clouds and be normal here. Would you go to any other place and tell somebody that you're going to be in charge of a bunch of people without any preparation? But how many people just want to jump up and start because they never stop to ask God? And so they are, I've seen people miss totally the season. And it's staring them in the face. It's very obvious. You're talking to me. We have a school of ministry. Why do you think we're having this conversation? You're saying you're called. Uh So season one, then, (coughs) is preparation and training. It's true for anything. If you're called to, to be married and to be a parent, there's preparation and training for that. And it's not getting on Facebook trying to find somebody to date. Huh? That's not your preparation and training. That's your shenanigans. Huh? Trying to fool somebody in the thing and you put that picture up there that's, you know, like ten years old. It's been photoshopped to death. Huh? So season one for any life work is preparation and training. If you're going to be married, that's till death do you part. That's life work. You need to prepare and train for that. If you're going to raise children, that's preparation and training. You know, even if you're a person that likes to read the word, that's preparation right there. Because I can tell you the failure of most parenting is that it's not godly. They don't go to the Word. And ask anybody has got kids, tell me two of your favorite scriptures regarding your children. They can't tell you one. So you know they're not trusting God for it. The answers are right here. They won't get them. So you've got to have preparation and training for any endeavor in life. Same thing with what God calls you to do. The supernatural is not spooky. In fact, the natural often takes its lead and its ideas from the supernatural. So anything that man requires you to do, God probably requires you to do that as well. Because he's the one that that authored most of this. So in first season is preparation and training. Season two is the work. So for me, it was working 
doing the ministry, my preparation and training came pretty much outside of the local church atmosphere because of the restrictions that I had because of an illness. But then when I did get involved in a a local church and different ministries, I began to flourish. You got it? You don't flourish in a vacuum. You flourish when you're grafted into the body. So season two was the work of the ministry. You know, setting up the meetings, setting up where we were going to meet, and how many meetings we had, what cities they would be, and all of that kind of stuff. Season three was to publish the word. Write books, media, TV. Season four is preparation and training for more of the same. So the preparation and training really is ongoing. It's ongoing. Any decent profession has what they call either continual education or <coughs> professional uh, you know, licensure and that kind of stuff that's ongoing so that you can keep up with new trends and things. So all of this keeps going on. It never leaves you. Whatever you start in doing to get your foot in the door, you continue to do. That's why I can't understand people who come to church and feel like they know everything because they've been sitting and they got grooves in the seat that they've been sitting in so long, you know. Uh, And they shut themselves down to any kind of further knowledge or understanding or they're casual about the word or, you know. I used to say sometimes you need to blow up the front row. I mean, then I'm not saying about anybody here, but it's something about the attitude that people get when they sit there. You know, they don't take notes. they got to look like they know everything already. It just, you know, kills some, you know, well-meaning people. It just kills them because they... They think they're supposed to look a certain way because they're sitting there. It's just a seat. No, it's not a position. It's just a seat. So these things you have to recognize that there are certain things that have to be accomplished in certain seasons. Now, the work of the enemy is to thwart that purpose. So there are distractions that will come in to get you to miss everything that had to be done in that season. Now God is merciful, but he ain't stupid. You know, he knows if you get involved in, in, you know, common mistakes that people make kind of thing. He can... He's teaching you and training you. And if you will repent and you will recognize, you know what, God, I've been wasting time here. I really could have accomplished more here and I've been putting it off with some kind of goofy excuse or feeling sorry for myself. You know, that's a common thing that when people have to work, that always follows you. You know, you can only do so much because, I, you know, I've been working real hard. Got to have some me time. Mm. 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Then your poverty will come on you quickly. So <clears throat> we must recognize that we do not have unlimited time to accomplish the purposes of each season. It's only a season. And sometimes in seasons there are lulls, you know, in the activity. And you can feel like you got a lot of time. You know, like the time between when you first put a seed in the ground and when the first shoot comes up. You know, there's kind of a lull there. And until fruit comes on the vine, it looks like time's slow. But then if you planted enough different crops, after a while there's fruit everywhere. You get tired of picking it. You know, so can you go out there and get some of that stuff off there? You want some of it? Take it on with you. Yeah. Because that's the way the harvest is. That's the way the harvest is. So uh, we have to recognize that we don't have unlimited time to accomplish the purposes of each season. We cannot hasten a season. But we can hasten a harvest in that season. So that season is going to last until the purpose is accomplished. But there are ways to hasten a harvest in that season. There must be in the spirit because there are ways to do it in the natural. You can put miracle grow in your soil. And it will come up faster. You get a bigger crop, you can get a greater yield. How do you do that, spiritually speaking? Well, you do it with an investment in your spirit and a greater exercise of your faith. So once you realize you don't have unlimited time to accomplish the purpose in that season, Understand, though, that if, you, if it seems to drag on, you can use that time to make a greater investment in a greater harvest that's going to come out of that. For instance, if you, you're used to speed reading through your textbooks, you need to slow down and take a little time and read a little more in depth or read a little extra, or get a little some more of this or get a little some more of that. Those things are important. Myself, I know oftentimes if I if I have to teach something that's a little uh, dry, I'll work harder to bring examples in to make it more relatable to people so that they can understand it better. You know, teachers are people that want you to understand things. And they're not satisfied with just rote learning and no fruit. You know, they, they try to find a way to get to bring greater understanding to what they are doing so that you can take it with you and use it and it will work for you. So <clears throat> so there are things like that when there seems to be a kind of a dryness or a lull. You know, God will give you creative ideas to learn how to do your job better so there's a better yield in the crop during that purpose. So can't hasten a season, but we can hasten a harvest in that season and make sure the purpose. But we've got to stay on track in understanding the purpose of what we're doing. So our harvest is whatever the purpose produces. So when I see that you guys are able to use your faith and get your needs met, 
that's part of the purpose. That's part of my harvest. I can see that the teaching is paying off. If, if I see that you're not cooperating with it, I'll try to exhort you to get, get involved so that you can get it done because I know it's doable. See, people, people don't respond for certain reasons. And many times people don't believe. It's hard to get faith into somebody who's determined not to put forth the effort of believing. It's really hard because they have to exercise something. So, And it's funny that God will always find a way to get a person to a pressure point where they have to either believe him or, you got me, he'll let you know it's not an option, that this is a necessity, that you believe and you exercise your faith so that he can realize his purpose for your life. See, this is where the cutoff is because most people think of their lives as serving them and them alone. What I want, what I like, what I don't like, what I want to have. It's all me thing. And then God will, will cut that off and get you to understand, hey, you don't belong to you. You belong to me. And I put you here for a reason that I'm invested in you in. See? And so we have to understand that that realization must come into every heart so that we understand it's not just about what we want. Because outside of God, we don't want much. Be honest with you. Didn't Jesus say, isn't your life more than just food and clothes? And what you going to eat? What you going to Isn't it more than that? And the answer is in many questions, people say, no, it's not. You know that I sweat enough trying to get bread on the table. I sweat enough trying to. I mean, what is what more is there? I don't have time for nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's true. And so these questions, then, when you start to really ask them, what is the purpose here? You know, what is my purpose here? Have I really talked to God about it? Most people haven't. You come to God with some ideas already that you're trying to work out, huh? Try to get him to co-sign him. And then you go down the road long enough and you realize, yeah, I've been working at this for 15 years and we ain't done it yet. So it's time to turn that in and find out what, I mean, it's never too late, folks. Now, everybody thinks that when they go down the road and they've been carrying just them and then they realize that that's not right, they think it's too late and they don't want to stop. Your pride makes you not want to turn around and go the way God wants you to go. But you're not going to have a choice because you're going to run out of road down there. I'm here to tell you, we all run out of road. <laughs> because there's, it, it's you see, that person and that purpose was nailed to the tree already. So you're de- that person doesn't have room to live down here anymore. The only person that has room to live is a new creature. It's true anyway. See, we think we can be disobedient. I mean, I think we think there's no real, nothing that God really wants us to do that we can't say we don't want to do and it's okay. You know, it's it's okay if we put this, it's okay if this is okay. It's not okay. So you, you you need to understand that there is a purpose. You may not 
be able to put it into words sometimes. You may only be able to work in it. But you begin to understand that there is something here that God wants for me to do. To use my time in to be involved in that maybe I wasn't aware of. Or I thought it was going to be this and it's that. It's that after all. Gee, I was afraid he was going to want me to do that. And sure enough, he does. It's not this, it's that. So it's the that that he wants us to get focused on, invest in, do what we need to do. So in the preparation and training phase, there are key people and relationships that must be established. So here's the people thing again. Now Christianity, really the law of God is to love. So you know there's got to be people involved. So if people give you trouble, or people are a big consideration for you, you're going to have to get over it, work through it, jump over it, hide from it, something. (laughs) But it's going to have to be faced. So there are key people and relationships that must be established and treasured. So some of the things that you'll have to figure out is how do you relate to certain people that God puts in your path. It's very important that you recognize gifts, humanity, and value them for their purpose and cooperate with God in that purpose. So the highest level of living would be having the viewpoint and the vantage point and the attitude of God in your relationships. For instance, one of the mistakes I think young people make in life now is they value themselves and others very little. You can tell by the way uh, their relationships. Relationships are, are mostly uh, uh, immoral and they show a lack of value on both ends. See, if I take intimacy in, to myself and share it with several people, that means I don't value myself very much, nor do I value the person <coughs> that I'm supposedly sharing that with because it's really a taking, it's not a sharing. It has to be taking because when you're done with it, you move on. So you're really using that, using that person and using yourself and diminishing value as you go. So that by the time mostly people are 20 or 21, they don't want to get married. They don't trust marriage because there's no value. They've you know, decreased the value so much. It's not something that's sought after anymore. And so in that, you see that where they missed it was they don't understand their own purpose. They don't understand the person's purpose, nor do they value it. Now, what happens oftentimes is those people will get a little bit older, 
and realize that they've been on a wrong course and now they're in a panic to find somebody. This is where often they find themselves in church or something. You get a lot of young people who have lived a life devaluing themselves and all of a sudden they're in a panic. But the question still remains is has their value of themselves and the other individual changed? This is very important. Because the the horse that brought you here, the one you rode in on, is the one you're going to ride out, out on if you don't change horses. So if you don't understand that God has to strip you down of all of those wrong ideas and put some of his life on the inside of you, you'll just be the same person, but you'll be going through life in a different form. You know, you'll be a married individual now with very little value of yourself, very little value of your spouse, and you won't be able to cooperate with God's purpose in life because you're always wanting and using and not giving. This is the whole, the difference. A marriage is a giving relationship, and people know it before they get involved in it. That's why many of them don't want to get married. They want to take instead of give. So really in God, in a relationship, you have to understand how to evaluate a person's ability, gifts, desires, purpose, all of that in God and cooperate with it. And as you don't even hear young people talk like that. Well, I want somebody who's going to do this. That's a user. I want somebody who's going to. I want somebody instead of, I want to invest in somebody, pray for them, encourage them, strengthen them so that we can flourish together and have a good life under God's purpose for that life. See, there are many good people out here and get derailed by a bad decision. You know, you find somebody, you're both in a panic, everybody around you your age is married, got kids, you're jealous of that, you want that. You get in a panic, you go and jump into that with no concept of the purpose and value of that person as far as humanity is concerned. See, what makes a difference between somebody like the everyday person we know and George Bush who wound up being president of the United States? Well, his dad was a president, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at relationships around people and how those relationships tend to strengthen and support the purpose that that person feels that they have. That's very important. So really the person you marry is probably that decision aside from deciding for God will be the single most important decision you will make as far as your purpose in life is concerned. And you gotta, you're crazy to try and, and make it like an unbeliever is going to fit the bill. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You don't even have a conversation with them. So you'll find people, though, and they're angry at the church. They, you don't treat me right. Nah, people out in the world are nicer than people in the church. When you hear people make statements like that, they're backslid already. You find fellowship outside of the house of God, you're already backslidden. And so that, that thing, you can never harbor 
resentment or any kind of negative feeling against God's people and be grafted in and flourish and thrive like you're supposed to. It just won't happen. And so these things are very important to understand the importance of them. That if you have purpose in God, your everyday life and your relationships must strengthen and support that purpose. If you don't have that, you're making trouble for yourself. You may think you're strong and you can do this and do that. But I can tell you right now, you're deceiving yourself. Because if those around you do not value the God that you serve, you're going to have to to separate yourself from them. And you're not always witnessing to them either. There's something that's drawing you there. That's other than God that's going to work against your purpose. Work against your purpose. Many times people don't like to be around certain Christians because they make me feel. They don't make you anything. So you're going to feel that whether you're around them or not. What you need to do is quit living by your feelings. And say, Lord, if they strip me down and, and cut me in ribbons, I'm with God's people. You got me? I'm with God's people. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> and clean up your attitude. It's not about you all the time. But God has a purpose for you being planted with that body of believers that can only be accomplished if you stay connected and connected in the right way. You've got to be wrapped up in the love vine. If you don't walk in love with God's people, you're not going to be walking there for very long. You're going to disconnect. And so if we let offenses, which really are self, self-importance, really. When you're offended, you're trying to be self-important. Something about you feels that you don't have to give, forgive, and live by the rules. You're different. And then everybody else has to treat you a certain way. Or you want to disconnect. So you're disconnected already. And don't really realize it. So. The person that you want to fellowship with. Is somebody. Who. Feels. And recognizes. The importance of your purpose. And they want to support and encourage it. The person who. Can see God big enough. To carry two dreams to fruition and not just one. There's a problem in relationships. Very often one person will get what they want. While the other one kind of suffers. If you don't realize God's big enough to help you both get to where you want to go. Sometimes it will be your season for sowing into that relationship. And you get tired of sewing. You're, when is my turn? I want to do this. And I want to. Well, I always I go. Well, it's not your season. you got to sew some in there first. And then that other person may have their season of sewing into you. But if you feel like you're giving everything all the time, you'll never recognize the right season. So you don't see it as just a season in your life that's going to serve a purpose in your life. There's a purpose for that season. And if God has you sowing a certain seed and he wants you to continue to sow it and sow it and sow it. And it's been years and years and I've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm tired of it. What am I going to do? You haven't done it long enough. 
Because a farmer doesn't grumble when it's planting time. If he does, he doesn't do it for very long. He said, well, let me get up here and stop this and get to planting because nothing's going to come up if I don't stop this and go to plant. But if you complain long enough, you will talk yourself out of doing the appropriate thing in that season. And that's how you miss it. Relating appropriately to that other individual is extremely important. Esteem that person very highly in love. The Bible says for the work's sake. He's really talking about ministry, but you can say that about many things that people do. Husbands, you know, oftentimes, you know, back in the day, husbands were the sole support of the family. They should be esteemed very highly in love for the work that they put into bringing provision into that family. The wives <clears throat> that ran a good household, many times those wives were esteemed very highly by the husband. Oh, my wife, they'll brag on the wife, you know, behind her back and so forth and so on. You know, not too much in Freddie's face, but, you know, you hear him say, my wife does this and my wife does that. You know, esteemed very highly in love for the work's sake, for what you bring to the situation. And so very often, in, in, when, the, when you're esteemed, it should humble you. Don't ever take that as a license to lord it all over somebody. And feel that you're so indispensable that you can treat them poorly because they cherish you. You know, that's pearls before swine. That's why a lot of times you don't hear it very often. People are smart. They'll brag about you behind your back and not <laughs> let you know what's going on sometimes. Well, I can't say that in front of her. She'll get the big head. It's true. It's true. And very often people do. Sometimes people will try to make themselves important in your life so that they can run your life. You got me? Sometimes people will incapacitate you so that they can have the upper hand. You know? Now this has gone gone on between husbands and wives forever. Sometimes a man will know his wife is capable and keep telling you can't do this, you can't do that. Why? He doesn't want to. It's a little threatened if she gets too strong. Same thing with a woman. Criticize the man's size of the paycheck and all that kind of stuff to keep him feeling can't do enough for me. Mm-hmm. Manipulators. That's all they are. Insecure. Don't know. They have a vow. Just live in contentment under the vow. And you don't have to use all this manipulation to keep a person off balance. Got me? So, in, in that will diminish their purpose. People who don't feel appreciated, you know, especially to a certain degree, if they're working hard, they really do want to be appreciated. That's the least you can do. Appreciation is really just a favorable attitude toward that person instead of a critical one. So so sometimes people will find that their purpose is not realized because of relationships, associations, and how they relate to people. Not you're married to the wrong person necessarily, but it's how you relate to that individual. You love them, God likes them. Hey, let's go on in life. 
But <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But you've got to relate properly to that person in the Lord or God's not pleased with you, number one. Anybody who will sell out their purpose to God just to keep somebody in the house happy is, you know, you can add moron to your resume. You got me? Because if you don't have God on your side, you don't have anything. But it's amazing sometimes people can, their their faith in God can be chipped away and it chip, chip, chip a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little just pecking, pecking, pecking by an insecure mate that jealous really jealous of that thing they have with God and they seek to undermine it just keep undermining you know you go off the word a little bit and they say oh it's okay don't worry about it you go off the word a little oh don't worry about it it's not that important well God understands it be careful those people always want to speak for God to you tell you how God thinks and how God feels about things uh, you'll wind up stuck with that and God will be out the back door so <clears throat> and recognizing spiritual timing those things are important there's a purpose we're given seasons not minutes and hours but seasons they can be shortened or lengthened but they can't go on forever there's a, there's a time up to accomplish the purpose but the season is tied to the purpose and time is given in a season to accomplish that purpose so in recognizing spiritual timing you've got to put the purpose what am I doing what am I here for not just to come and go to church and get checked off but there is a real reason that I do this And I need to get closer to God to find out what it is. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us time, seasons, understanding of purposes in you. So that we may accomplish and we may flourish and we may be blessed. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that revelation. We thank you for that understanding. And we thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.